0: preserving the world of innovation that is the podcast that we're going to be doing today is going to be pretty interesting and it's going to be a topic that not a lot of people really talk about but it is absolutely important and we have to protect this idea of innovation in order for our entire society and culture to prosper into the future and that's that's a loaded statement uh, but it is very very true and the points that I'll bring up today are going to be displaying just how true that is. Now, if you're listening to this or watching this, you can always finish it on the podcast app of your choosing. I see a lot of people mainly going to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So if those are your choice, then you can also finish the podcast there. Or you can finish this here on IGTV or YouTube or Facebook, wherever it is you're watching. But one thing's for sure. I really appreciate you tuning in. If you leave a comment and response to anything that I share here or share it personally with a friend or a family member or on your wall somewhere or wherever, that is also very, very cool because I think this topic is going to be something that, again, people are going to want to hear and they're going to want to listen to it in a, in a way that is explained in, in this particular way that I'm going to explain it. So, without further ado, I have this document here to keep my key points and to keep the flow of the podcast in front of me. So, let's get this rocking and rolling. It's very often we see products and services that seem to appear out of nowhere but dominate the market over a short period of time. This out of the box thinking is what develops the most prestigious societies. We must invite this way of thinking in every way possible. In an environment where bureaucracy, monopolies, and government intervention exist, you can be certain that there will be little innovation and growth. This concept is the theme in many movies, shows, and books. The protagonist is portrayed as crazy or the underdog who eventually uses skills and abilities that provide a unique Path to victory. This innovation that develops in free societies is the fundamental enemy of the Matrix because it shows the truth about individualism having the capability to bring about major positive change to industries, governments, and culture. So, this lays out exactly what I'll be pretty much going over, and we'll be getting into some details, reading from some articles as well, on exactly why this is. Um, You know, we have to realize that the matrix of control is dedicated to, you know, constricting innovation and growth and creativity because that is the antithesis of what their system is all about. So, my first key point. Throughout history, there has been the fundamental belief around leadership circles that people on average are dumb and expendable, that no one can come from a peasant class to become great in any field of work or government. The warrior class invited the men from different societal class structures to fight wars on behalf of royal disputes over land and resources, which opened a window of opportunity for growth in society for some men who rose through the ranks. But otherwise, society was set up in a way to prevent average people from growing to leadership roles. The leaders in society believed they were destined to be educated and wise enough to make decisions for the entirety of the population, while at the same time barring people from achieving this level of intellect. So basically, what I'm saying here is that Overall, the society was set up in different cultures, in Chinese culture and Chinese history, Indian history, African history, Middle Eastern history, European history, all designed, okay, for there to be a ruling class that has this sort of, you know, divine essence of, of, of the ability to rule over these other people, you know, and the military and some of the wars that were fought, that warrior class became the only outlet for some men to actually go and get involved somewhere somehow, train themselves, and actually show their superiority through battle. Um, but you know, there wasn't really another way to do that through, let's say, the merchant class or a time of peace. Usually, if you were born in a particular social class, you pretty much stayed there. Uh, Now, people were born rich and then became poor. That is true. They lost things. They they had disputes over different things. So uh, what happened was that you never got into a position throughout history where you were born as more of a peasant and then somehow made your way up by innovating or, or inventing something or having a business of some kind. There really wasn't that mobility in social class structures. And this is just the way that history was. Now, this idea of establishing a class system has been popular throughout the whole world. They would justify their actions by claiming race superiority, class superiority, and intellect superiority. This is the fundamental way of thinking for the matrix to build upon. So what you're really exp- what I'm explaining here is that the matrix itself is designed for this particular system. It's a system where there's race superiority and this isn't like the the race stuff that's going on today that this is we live in the most free country, the most amazing, prosperous time period ever. So, you know, anyone who's saying that right now is a hard time to be a minority or to be any other race is just totally out of touch with history. We've come a very long way. But there are these these race superiority complexes and class and intellect. So, like I mentioned with the class thing, so you're either born into wealth or you're born into poverty, and then that's kind of where you stay. You're not going to really have a lot of mobility and 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 uh, movement, you know, to go up in class. And then if you're born in a certain race, so this is very true. I mean, again, even in the Chinese, you know, history, there has been race superiority. There's been different, even all over Asia, there's been different races who believe they were superior at over over time. I mean, if you look at World War II and then leading up to it in the in the um, Between the 1850s and then going into the 1930s and 40s, you know, you did have the Japanese have this sort of, you know, superior race superiority – over everybody else in Asia and that area. so it's just you can just find this everywhere uh, the Arabs felt that way when they went and conquered Africa you know they felt that the lighter skinned Arabs were in more of a dominant position than the African you know uh, tribes and different you know natives that were there and then later even they were the ones who enslaved people uh, African Americans or well no, Africans uh, and then sent them overseas wherever. So this is just real history. The Romans, you know, had a period of time where they were, you know, they were racist towards Jews. You know, um, they, they had conquered Judea and Jerusalem and stuff. But they, they, the Romans, you know, when you were born into that class or that race, if you will, that really it's just a, uh, it's a cultural identity – You know, there was a real sense of superiority over, let's say, the Jewish population, and then the Germanic population, which was right next door, and those were the wars that would consistently happen all the time. And so this just goes into rich, rich history that has been true for a very, very long time. And I say the matrix because that is exactly what this is. And uh, it goes on to say, well, what we're going to say throughout history, how things developed, right? So this leads us to America, right? America, as a nation, broke that pattern that plagued mankind throughout history. The American system was based on the rights of individuals to govern their own lives. Although many people enjoyed being provided for by a monarch, there was a ground swell of people who preferred making their own decisions to direct their individual lives. They simply got tired of being ruled by a monarch who lived across the ocean over a thousand miles away. They governed themselves like no other population in history because of the large amounts of rural areas that riddled the countryside. This seed developed over time to solidify the idea that the individual when liberty is given is able to direct their own life and flourish society with creative ideas. So before America, like I mentioned, there was all of this class structure and race structure and everything else. When America was founded, you know, yes, there was a lot of problems and there was a lot of disputes among races still during that time, obviously. but at the end of the day, people were rural, meaning that, they some people lived out in the countryside and were completely independent like they had their own food they had their own way of life and they didn't even need to go to the city they didn't need to do anything whereas in Europe during that time period in the sixteen hundreds and 1700s there was just such a congestion of people. And that the land was already, you know, conquered pretty much and divided among all these, you know, no, noble, you know, people and lords and lordships and different wealth classes. So there was no real, uh, again, there at, this, at that point, there really wasn't any room for mobility of moving into new classes. Whereas in America, like I mentioned, there were people who just lived completely off grid. I mean, they had no, you know, uh, reason to be... to to have protection even sometimes, you know, they protected themselves. Uh, They just, they were living really on their own. They were living independently. And what happened was this fervor of, of individualism started to beat a drum throughout society in the American culture during that time. And so people started to realize like, hey, we don't really need, you know, to pay all this money to, you know, some kingdom in England. We can really take care of ourselves. And Again, it wasn't the most popular thing, but I will say that there were a lot of people who still wanted to be Englishmen, and even for the most part, the colonists and the founding fathers. There was a split there as well. They also still believed they were Englishmen and Englishwomen, and that they had the rights of Englishmen and Englishwomen. And so, you know, again, it's just it's it's establishing this entire concept of free thinking and allowing the individual to sort of roam about and to have this, you know, new creative energy start to flow throughout the country. And so they realized that that was something that was important and they should fight to preserve it. Now, a NASA study, this is really fascinating, blew a bombshell in the idea that there needs to be a ruling elite to govern the lives of the ignorant masses. It showed that 98% of children before the age of five years old are creative geniuses. After they enter into the matrix-designed education system, they are completely dumbed down. So I'm actually going to read from this study that the NASA scientist did. I mean, let me see what his name was. Uh, It was Dr. George Land. So if you want to actually check this out, it's on a TED Talk. And if you just type in, you know, 98% of children are creative geniuses on YouTube, pretty sure you'll be able to find it. I actually didn't even watch it. I just know that it's a TED Talk. I I just read the article. Um, And this is very, very important, you guys, because the reason I bring this up is it, it just proves the point that, Everyone is equal. You know, everyone is born with creative genius, right? They say 98%, but it's probably because, you know, there's obviously some people who are, you know, just they have different challenges, birth defects, and things like that that might affect them. But overall, human beings are born who are just creative geniuses, who can discover things, who can create things, who can do things that were unimaginable, right? I mean, just think about that. So let's read from this article. Let's see what they actually found out. This is a test that looks at the ability to come up with new, different, and innovative ideas to problems. What percentage of those children do you think fell in the genius category of imagination? A full 98%. It gets more interesting. But this is not the real story. The scientists were so astonished that they decided to make it a longitudinal study and tested the children again five years later when they were 10 years old, the result, only 30% of the children now fell in the genius category of imagination. When the kids were tested at 15 years, they figu- the figure had dropped to 12%. What about us adults? How many of us are still in contact with our creative genius after years of schooling? Sadly, only 2%. And for those who question the consistency of these results or think they may be isolated incidences, these results have actually been replicated more than a million times. Now, that is fascinating, right? Uh, The article goes on and I'll probably post the article in the link in the uh, podcast. But it's just, the reason I bring up that study is because, you know, we are born this way, uh, very creative, and then we just are going into the education system. Uh, actually, I'll quote uh, I'll quote this. I remember reading this in the, in the article. The reasoning for this, this is the quote from um, one of the uh, researchers. The reasoning for this, meaning the decline of creativity, the reasoning for this is not too difficult to apprehend. School, as we plainly call it, is an institution that has historically been put in place to ultimately serve the wants of the ruling class, not the common people. In order for the so-called elite to maintain their lavish lifestyles of overt luxury, where they contribute the least but enjoy the most, they understand that children must be dumbed down and brainwashed to accept and even serve their rapacious system of artificial Scarcity, unending exploitation, and incessant war. That is a loaded statement. That was that was said by the actual researcher who conducted the study, who was blown away that you know all these people, all these children were creative geniuses. They could all solve you know world hunger, as they say, and they could you know solve the planet's you know environmental crisis and it just all of this different stuff, but. The elites, as we know, and the matrix is how we kind of refer to this this grid, this system that's developed, are, is dedicated to controlling that creativity and then really reducing it, okay? Because the matrix is an anti-human system. It doesn't believe in humanity and it definitely doesn't believe in individual liberty and individual growth and individual empowerment. It believes in a quote-unquote collective future where there's a utopian society somewhere that they are going to build and you ain't in it. Because in their utopian society, it's only the elites that live on earth and then the peasant class is completely eliminated. And that has always been riddled throughout history. It's almost like a depopulation program. So here's my fifth point. It is true that most people willingly relinquish all responsibility that is required to live an independent, free life. They have an inferiority complex that has caused them to actually believe they are incapable of achieving this level of independence. This is the relinquishing of responsibility that the matrix takes full advantage of. So not only is there an education system in place and then there are other matrices in place that create this, you know, this decline in creativity, okay? But there also is a conscious effort on your behalf to suffer from the lack of responsibility from your own actions and your own circumstances. So we understand that there are a lot of circumstances that tend to happen to us that are really out of our control, but then there are a lot of circumstances that happen to us that are in our control. And for us to fully embrace this idea of full responsibility and full freedom, we have to understand that there is a real consequence to relinquishing that responsibility because the quote unquote the state or the matrix has developed systems for you to opt into to take be be taken advantage of. I can't be speaking more clearly about this than I could be at this moment when we have a COVID 19 crisis where we have health dictatorships set up in every state and every county, okay, over, over the country and in the federal level that are telling us what's healthy and what isn't, how to live healthy, how to avoid viruses, and what's not healthy, and what's not, you know, what's not truth. And so that is fascinating because as you can see the matrix pushes lies and deceptions you know like pharmaceutical drugs and vaccines in replacement of therapeutic uh, therapeutics And immune system boosters. You know, we live in a world where people just think that that's woo-woo, that's crazy stuff, even though that's the truth. And they just willingly relinquish responsibility of their own health and adopt a system that is destructive to their health and that is not true and that is broken. I mean like, wow. So this is why it's so important to acknowledge the ability and uh, the responsibility that we all have to – Take it upon ourselves to live our independent, free life, right? Uh, so this is very important. And again, like I said, there are people in that point that I just made. There are people who willingly let go of that responsibility, whether it's you know people living with mom and dad consistently in their 30s or whatever, or just. Again, you can apply this in any direction, but people don't they want to have you know some kind of power structure over them that tells them what to do, when to eat, when to go, when you know and this is the same thing we see not just in the education system that's instilled in us, but also even in our work environment, which I'll get into. Now the matrix uh, which is what I've been referencing, that exists uh, has a simple psychological makeup that must be implemented for it to maintain its power. And that is control over your mind. So that's obvious, right? But it has to be stated very clearly. Your mind is so powerful that the matrix knows how powerful it actually is, right? And that's my this is the next point. The matrix understands the power of our minds more than we do. And that's why it has established systems, of control that destroy our God given empowerment superiority complex in order to replace it with their idea of a manageable cognitive decline. This is done through sports entertainment, movies, shows, music, education, and other popular culture. That's a loaded statement because if you can understand that then you can be empowered beyond belief. So once you know that the matrix is after the control of your mind through media and your your the, the NFL, you just keep watching the NFL, you just keep listening to the same entertainers and you get all your politics from your favorite Hollywood actors and you just you don't think for yourself at all. I mean like you don't like you know, we don't even read in this country. And, uh, like I was mentioning earlier, where in history, they actually barred people from reading. They actually barred people from education. So they had these peasant, lower working class, you know, people who were never privy to the same level of education that the higher class was. And so it's, again, the education system. And it's funny that they use that against us. So they say, they say, oh, we need, we need access to education for everybody, right? And it's kind of like, that's, that's their form of education. That's what they think is education. You see what I'm saying? There's a difference. So you have this this, this this backwards belief where it's like, oh oh, the people in working class poverty, they don't get good education. So we have to keep funding money in these public schools to get more education, right? But at the end of the day, that's the education that they approve. That's the matrix education. That's what they think is going to be educating you. So we have to totally buck that system and understand that there's a level of education and reading and studying that can be done that is way more beneficial than what's found in the public schools. And so, I, I mean, I'm, I am a total um, testimonial of real reading and real studying and real education. That's what I've been doing for the last, you know, six, seven years of my life. And that's why I started a podcast. So I've broken that matrix of control over my life. You know, I'm very careful about who I listen to, what I'm tuning into, what I'm putting into my mind, and I'm going to get into that right now. So we must work hard to break free from these inferiority complexes that have been developed by the matrix throughout our life. There is psychological development that works to empower your subconscious mind. These principles can help us break free from their occupation of our thoughts and beliefs. So the matrix wants to come in and formulate not only just reduce creativity like we know, but they want to formulate your beliefs about the world. So once they can formulate your beliefs about the world and your beliefs about yourself and then your reflection in the world, they control who you are. They control your identity. This is absolutely crucial to understand. Now, I'm going to read from a, uh, another article here, and it's going over like the top 10 rules of the subconscious mind. And if you don't know anything about the subconscious mind, I mean, I get, it kind of says it very simply here, but the subconscious mind exerts a continuous and powerful force over our existence and experience of life. It maintains and runs the body. It stores and organizes memories, emotions, beliefs, and energy it filters higher guidance and insights. As a result, we benefit from understanding its nature. Now before I get into this particular article and the rules of the subconscious mind, let's clearly define what exactly the subconscious mind is. What it basically is, is a part of your brain and your brain function that really runs your life, right? Uh, to give you an example, when you breathe, you're not consciously breathing all the time. Sometimes, now that you're thinking about it, you're consciously breathing. You're watching your breath and you're like, oh man, I need to take a deep breath, <gasps> right? And you breathe in and now <sighs> that's conscious breathing. But usually when you're you know running through life, doing life, driving, whatever, your subconscious mind is breathing for you just like your digestive system super complex you know there's obviously like miles of intestines inside of you right now It's really quite fascinating right Well your subconscious mind is is wor- working your digestive system okay so it's all happening subconsciously you can't consciously control your digestive system right I mean maybe somebody, from some spiritual path or something can tell me that, that you definitely can. Uh, But I'm just here to tell you that you cannot consciously digest your food, you know, or do certain functions in the body. That's what your subconscious mind does. Now, your subconscious mind also, and the matrix understands this, you may not. Some of you may have heard of it, hopefully. But the subconscious mind has the ability to determine the way you think about life and how you, frame the beliefs of who you are, like we mentioned earlier. Your subconscious mind from research is so much more powerful than your conscious mind that it would be like having an ant, a tiny ant, which is your conscious mind, telling your subconscious mind what to do. And your subconscious mind is an elephant. That is how much indifference in comparison the powers of each part of your mind is. So last I checked, an ant can't do much about the power of an elephant. And your subconscious mind is running programs constantly in your brain that develops who you are. And it is this particular part of your mind that can help you succeed, grow, and become great and innovate and have all the creativity you want and have the downloads that you need to prosper and to defeat the matrix. It is the psychological makeup that if you understood could actually help you defeat the matrix that exists in the world today. So... This, from this other article, which we can go through and we'll we'll enhance on, are the rules of the subconscious mind. It is a servant. It follows orders. Your conscious mind is the gatekeeper to monitor those orders. The subconscious mind does not distinguish between physical reality and what you are thinking. It's all real to your subconscious mind. It has no sense of humor and takes everything literally. So what it's saying there is that when it says like your subconscious mind doesn't have a sense of humor, which basically means that everything is literal to the subconscious mind. So if you're just constantly listening to comedy and you're framing your mind to think about the way the comedian is distinguishing reality, which is always a joke, right? You may actually start to believe that reality. Now the media in the country understands this as well. And the media, and I've explained this, but the media creates a parallel reality that does not exist, but is interpretations of reality. And it is a mirror of reality and it portrays small parts of reality and maximizes it for full effect. This is how the media works. And it the same thing is true about the education system, of course, as well. But overall, this subconscious mind does it. It is it is so powerful, uh, and it needs literal interpretation of who you are. And so that actually means that you can lie to your subconscious mind, and it becomes your reality. This could be a bad thing, right? Because sometimes you're telling yourself, you know, that you're no good, you suck, and you're not gonna be this good. You're not gonna create this. You're not gonna make this, you know, you're not gonna pass this test or you're not gonna, you know, succeed in this business venture. You're not gonna be that good. And you actually have those little thoughts. I mean, you're never really saying it out loud. Like, who really says it out loud? But you have those little doubts and those little thoughts. And then, not only that, but you have people around you that are telling you you're no good, telling you you suck. And and again, this is especially even as you're growing up, this is what's developing who you are. And so I'm not saying that your your, your, your your shitty parents, if they were crappy, or your crappy uncles or your friends or your acquaintances or the peers at school uh, who were you know telling you how crappy you were are part of the matrix, but I would say that they, they, in a sense, contributed to the identity crisis that you may be experiencing today. So that's rule number one. Here's rule number two. It responds with instinct and habit. As patterns are deepened, they become habits that become harder to change. So as you have developed, you've already developed habits right now. A lot of you have really bad, shitty habits, to be honest with you. You're smoking too much pot. You're doing too much drugs. You're watching too many shows. You're watching too many movies. You're not doing shit. And a lot of you needed to hear that. And what's happening is your subconscious mind is programming you to just want to desire Particular things uh, and I will say also even like pornographic images and different things in the sexual category as well. It's developing your sexuality into something that it shouldn't be, you know. And so there's just a lot that deals with the things that you're consistently doing. Well, guess what? Here's the good news. You can actually develop instincts like it's saying here and habits that are positive that can start to reinforce an, a new identity for yourself and can invigorate the subconscious mind because again it doesn't know literal from from fake or lies or anything so it can just believe and start to believe that i am successful i am you know doing great in my work i am getting i've got the job i want i've got the dream business i want i've got the life i want you know whatever you're really wanting you can develop that through the power of your subconscious mind by literally affirming it to yourself and that's why they talk about affirmations which I have up in my room and I I say my affirmations as well and so that's the power of affirming something into being. Number three it is programmed by repetition authority and emotion so you have to really reinvigorate that emotion there affirm, like I just mentioned, and visualize often, be strong and willful and command the subconscious mind using your passion and emotional power. That's very important. So if you're interested in programming, like we said before, and the matrix understands this, the way that programs work is you have to affirm things and you have to visualize consistently. Like when you're rolling around in bed, you can't be thinking about the bad things that could happen. You have to start visualizing the positive things, the invigorating things, how you're protected, how you're an incredible person, how you're gonna succeed, and how you're gonna create the life that you want. And that is very important. So that's number four. Um, Oh, that is, this is number four, actually. That was number three. So number four is it does not process negatives. If you say, I will not gain weight, The subconscious mind only hears, I will gain weight. State all affirmations in positive terms. So right there, you have to understand that your subconscious mind, once again, it works Okay, to affirm positive things in a positive direction. You don't want to say, I am not a smoker. I am not a smoker if you're trying to quit smoking. You need to say things like, I am only putting into my body what is healthy and what is true and what gives me vitality something like that, that will actually help you, your body start to affirm it, and then knowing subconsciously that cigarettes are actually bad for you, you'll start to eliminate them out of your life because you're developing the subconscious mind to start a program to eliminate cigarettes out of your life completely. The fifth key point is this. It represses memories, being the subconscious mind, with unresolved negative emotions, yet these unacknowledged stored memories affect your experience now. Anytime you feel strong guilt, resentment, fears, anger, and depression, this is an opportunity to own and release them. This is really important because what it's basically saying is that your subconscious mind understands those very powerful and vivid memories that, you know, cause and stimulate a lot of emotional turmoil inside of you and it holds on to those for a very long time and again it becomes a part of who you are, you know, your memories and stuff. And there's a lot of healing and things out there now, meditation, practices and prayers and Different things I've even gone into if you want to go to another podcast to talk about how to get rid of this stuff it's called the healing codes and that's a really fascinating podcast And if you haven't listened to that you definitely should because it's really powerful now Here's the thing you know you you have all this built up, you know resentment and and different things maybe towards somebody You know, uh, maybe towards somebody who's gone, you know, uh, and there's no completion there Obviously, reaching out to people and like really letting them know what's up and getting clarity on a situation is really good, especially if there's been a lot of time, you know, in between said thing. Uh, but if you have a bad relationship with somebody and it's really not, you know, something that you're going to pursue or nothing that's going to go well, then you really have to go through a practice like the healing codes or some kind of a meditation where you're really just telling yourself, not that you're re- reliving the memory as much but that you are moved on from all memories that are holding you back and that are, you know, building up, you know, this kind of uh, clog in the wheel, if you will, uh, and that's something so important, you know? Uh, the sixth point here is that the subconscious mind works with symbols and metaphors. Watch your dreams closely for meaningful symbols. So uh, that is also very true. I know a lot of people in more the esoteric way of life. uh, But, you know, it's very true that different symbols and metaphors can start to revisit you, especially in dreams. Uh, This is getting more into like a spiritual complex. But at the end of the day, you have to realize that we are spiritual beings. And we can use these kinds of, you know, ideas and metaphors to shape our reality. That's saying a lot. Uh, Number seven, it takes everything personally. It keeps a photocopy of everything. So remember how powerful your subconscious mind is like elephant to an ant right so it can store all the memories and and not just like the the memory like the the visual of it but they're storing the the emotion with the memory they're storing like all the rest of the brain function that goes along with memories and that's how important it is and you have to realize that that's the stuff that you you really have to clean out um but it says, as you resent, judge, and protect, uh, project onto others, you are doing it to yourself. So that goes into saying, I guess, a lot of just um, the idea that, like, if you're out there, like, hating on somebody, or, or, you know, getting upset with somebody or something, then you know that kind of can deter you from succeeding, from doing a lot of other things in life, because it's only a reflection of who you really are. So all the negativity you're putting onto somebody else as well, and even if you're thinking it. That is the stuff that's hurting you and holding you back as well. So a really good point there. So number eight, the subconscious mind works on the principle of least effort. It follows the path of least resistance. Ingrained habits are often a path of least resistance. So yeah, again, the habitual stuff that you're doing every day. You know, I have habits. Uh, I have a structure. I have a schedule. I have a planner. I have all that stuff because I realized how important it is to organize my life and to be in a position where, you know, you're actually getting things done and you're productive. That's how I was able to do all these podcasts and do the things that I do. Number nine, it has a need to be moral. The subconscious mind connects to, and also filters and discolors, your higher self or whatever you want to call it and supports your evolution towards love, beauty, and truth. So again, it is – which this can go into the fundamental foundation of spirituality, which is what God intended it to be, which was just – this idea of love and the, the 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 very essence of love that brings about bliss and completion in every aspect of life. And so with that foundation, you have to realize that that's what the subconscious mind prefers. The subconscious mind prefers that reality. And so if you can just instill that reality more so, then you can start to flourish the different things in your life. And I know that this is crazy to consider. But again, these are such important things to think about when, when it comes to breaking out of the matrix, if you will. So this is the 10th and final point on this article. I'll, I'll post it in the podcast as well so you can go and review it yourself if you want to. It knows only now. There's no future or past in the subconscious mind. All stored experiences are processed as now. So affirm in the now, not in the future. Know that the past affects you Now offering an opening for healing now. So it's kind of just, you know, again, I mean I could rewrite that better. But the point is that you you have to speak in terms of I am this, I am that. You know, you can't be speaking in terms of like I will eventually be or this will maybe happen. You know, you have to you have to have this certainty and these affirmations that you're speaking to yourself and then by creating habits that revolve around productivity and getting things done and, and, and having success. That is what's actually gonna help you move forward in life to develop the subconscious mind to serve you instead of sort of instilling the fear and doubt and control over your life. That the matrix wants from you. They want you dumb, docile, and expendable, right? So we know that. So that completes those 10 points. Don't want to go through that. I'll post the article in the link, or I'll post the article in the uh, description below so you can always read it yourself. Um, now, this uh, final key point here is very important. So by achieving the sense of creativity and establishing empowering beliefs in our subconscious mind that make up who we are, we can live out the promise that was given to us by God and instilled in the context of the Declaration of Independence. And I'll be reading from it. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What's being stated here is that we are all created equally by our Creator, which indicates that all people have the same potential, like we just explained in the NASA study. The American system isn't formed to cradle human beings under tyranny, but instead to provide a government that preserves liberties so that the individual can succeed and prosper to their greatest potential. So that is essentially what we're looking at. And we have to realize that 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 is the American system. That, you know, when you go through history, that's why individualism and having the, uh, the idea of freedom and liberties, it's not just about having freedom and liberties and that's just what we talk about. What it is is about having the freedom to live and think on our own so that we can help society and civilization grow and prosper and explode because as I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast – There are so many uh, examples of a Steve Jobs, who's an orphan, who ends up coming into an industry and totally reinventing the computer and the personal computer, making it easy, attainable, making it inexpensive in a way that, you know, helped the regular person get it. And then later, he went into the phone industry and created the iPhone where, again, there was no demand for the iPhone but there was this innovation that was developed that created the iPhone through Steve Jobs' intellect and then there was all of a sudden a demand. So it goes to show that societies in the collective, they don't create anything because – They have to all, you know, have the conjecture. And what happens is in the collective, there's a hierarchical structure that believes that the collective is already good as it is and that they just need to follow these little rules and these little ideas and that they will just go along life and life will be good. Well, that's not what individualism is all about. Individualism is the idea that the individual can empower each other and they can empower themselves to go out and create and we should open and create an environment that is uh, gonna instill that kind of innovation, that kind of growth in society. And that is what America has done. And we've been half-cocked in America because of the different matrices that have been in place, the different banking, the elites, the financial structures, the monopolies that are in place, the Rockefellers, the the medical industries. and I mean there's so many disempowering things here in the country, but these are disempowering things all over the world. And so I understand that that's present, but for the most part, even with like a tiny bit of freedom, which is what we have here in America – we built everything. We we invented all these things. We invented electricity. You know, we've we've invented telecommunications. We've we've invented all this stuff, and it's come out from different people from different places. And I'll give you another example of that. Okay, the um, if you remember the Wright brothers, right? These were guys who were just farmers, who were just uh, they were bicyclists and stuff, and they were just you know bicycle repairmen and stuff, and they wanted to develop a you know a flying vehicle, right? Where the Smithsonian had funded, and I forgot the name of the scientist. That's how that's how irrelevant he is. But they had funded this other scientist and given him all the money, all the materials, the best minds, and the government, and aeronautics, and and aeronautics, and um, you know different uh, physics and uh, physicians and all these different things. Well, not physicians, but physics, and professors and stuff who were all trying to develop a flying vehicle. And they just, for some reason, they just couldn't. Think about that. Think about that. And it was the Wright brothers who were these brothers who were not nearly as smart, didn't have nearly the funding or nothing. And they developed the proper aerodynamics that got a plane to be built and to be taken off the ground. The proper weight measurements, everything. They risked their lives to fly a vehicle in the air and actually create it. So it was until the government came in and ended up, You know, establishing the patents and different things that the Wright brothers were the ones who invented it. And they were the ones who were individuals who had, you know, they were not in the leading like echelons or uh, upper echelons of society. They were not people that were at Yale or, or Harvard or anything like that. They weren't at the Smithsonian. They weren't involved in the government funded projects to innovate. They were just regular guys doing regular things. And this goes to show the idea of capitalism and individualism that is so precious, so important that we have to preserve it and we have to honor it. And it will end up saving our world because it is individuals that will come together at the end to defeat tyranny and to break the matrix. Now, I'm going to conclude by saying this. We are living out the programs that have been downloaded into us from birth. Knowing this is true can help us realize that if the human human mind works like a programmable computer, then it is possible to rewire the programming to become the creative powerhouses we were meant to be. This natural part of us should be explored to the best of our ability, and we shall continue this process throughout our entire life as matrix breakers. So that is the conclusion of this podcast. I hope this is helpful, one of those longer podcasts, but I believe is going to be hitting a chime in, in uh, the culture that can really help people grow and sustain this idea that we need individualism and we need to empower each other. We need to realize that we are the most powerful essence uh, in the world as ourselves, as individuals, as the quote-unquote the nobodies, the underdogs. And you know we can really defeat the matrix by embracing the concepts that we just talked about here, and taking it upon ourselves to applying them to our life. So that's what I'll leave you with. I appreciate you tuning in. Please feel free to leave a review. Uh, yeah, please feel free to leave a review and and leave a comment. If you've listened this far, especially, definitely reach out, message me somewhere somehow, and let me know you've listened to this podcast. Let me know you enjoyed it. Let me know if you have questions. Let me know if you have comments that you want to send to me privately. That's fine too. Otherwise, you guys have an awesome and amazing blessed day. Peace.